good morning. I'm so happy to see everyone here today and for those online, so thankful that you're here with us. And, you know, I got to say, this is one of the most interesting Sundays of the year, right? Just in the whole, the whole calendar of, of all the Sundays, kind of the different rhythms and routines that we have. You know, this is kind of a time that's, it's a little bit of an in-between space, right? In fact, it kind of feels like we're waiting, it kind of feels like the world is waiting. You know, this is the time that yeah, people start to think about, a little bit reflective of, of what's going on, what's behind, but also just anticipating, an anticipatory stance to go, what, what's going to come next? And this in-between time kind of feels like a time of waiting, right? It's the time where we start to think about what, what are some of the goals that we want? What are some of the things that, that we hope happen? You know, I don't know if I can declare like a goal for the entire church, <laughs> but if I did, I love those words and the prayer of it, let us become more aware of your presence. What a beautiful goal for life and, and for the coming year. We talk about Advent, the season where we are crying out, where we're praising God and saying, even so, come, Lord Jesus. And yet, we are here in a time of waiting. Waiting for God's restoration of this world to take place. How do you live in the waiting? What kind of mindset do you need to have? You know, today as we come together and as we come to God's word, I want you to know that God actually has some really critical words for us to say as we're looking ahead and going, you know, what, what is life going to be like in this next year? What do I need to do to live this life that God has called me to? He gives us some really clear and some really important instructions in the book of Matthew. Let me invite you to turn there with us today to Matthew chapter 7. How do you live life in the waiting? What, what kind of life are you building? What is this next year going to look like? Look at Matthew chapter 7 with me. Now, for those of you um, maybe who aren't familiar as much with the book of Matthew, or even if you are and, you know, you kind of got up a little bit late today and still a little bit fuzzy, right? This is coming on the tail end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. You know, everybody ranks their favorite sermon, you know, and you've kind of got yours. I, I probably have a different one than you guys do. But when, when people talk about Jesus, the messages of Jesus, the words of Jesus, you, you want to know which sermon of his probably got the most likes, Right, it got shared the most times. If you looked at, you know, Google Analytics, probably the most people. It's actually Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It is probably some of the most famous of the words of Jesus that a lot of people know. Even some cultural things that we talk about, like the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That comes from the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is giving this radical paradigm shift in this text. That is, that is taking from what is an externalized standard to an internal change, right? Don't give just so people can see it because there's more than just the opinions of people. There is a spiritual reality to life. Uh, it's not just about sleeping around. It's actually what's in your minds, what, what things are happening in your hearts. It's about coming together, and when you know somebody has something against you, you don't just brush them off. You actually go and you make it right 
as part of your worship to God. See, and Jesus is giving this sermon on the mount where he's standing up in an elevated place and, and talking to all these people. And it was so radical. It was, it was so different. It, it was something that people really hadn't had a lot of thoughts about. It's not just the forms. It's not just the function. It is about an internal radical shift. That's why we talk about church and what Jesus is about is not just about a checklist of do's and don'ts, but it's actually about a changed heart, a changed life, and the actions that stem from it. Now, as Jesus is, is introducing this radical theology to a group of people who are just going, wow, what do, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? What do I do with the words of Jesus? And if you've been coming to Trinity or if you've been coming to a church reading God's word, you've probably heard a lot of words of Jesus. You've probably heard a lot of words of God, and yet there comes this moment where you need to go, what do I do with this? Church, we've had a whole year together of studying God's word, and I tell you, what a crazy year it's been, right? Uh, at least for, for my own end, I've been preaching from uh, my couch in two separate apartments, right? Preaching from the roof of this building, preaching from a, a cliff in Colorado, you know? Some of you emailed me, we're like, we're so stressed out, we thought if you took a step back, you know, like that's the end of the pastor. Um, but at least, you know, probably get a lot of views, so. All right, it's, it's been a crazy year, right? We've heard the words of Jesus, and there's this moment, this time, in this pause where we have to ask ourselves the same question that those who were listening to the Sermon on the Mount that day had to ask. What do we do with this? Jesus gives them a really clear picture in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. I love how the Sermon on the Mount ends. Look at verse 28. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, in, in the tradition, a lot of teachers in that time would kind of be really intensely footnoting everything if I can say it that way, right? Well, you know, you know this is true because Rabbi so-and-so said it. And that Rabbi said, well, you know, that is true because this Rabbi said it. And it went on and on through a chain of tradition. But Jesus comes and Jesus says, here is the will of God for your life. Period. No footnotes. No, you know, standing by someone else for authority. Jesus comes in authority and power and says, this is how you live your life. And it blew people's minds. You know what it blows people's minds today? That Jesus can actually come and tell you how to live your life. <laughs> that anyone, even God, can come and say, this 
is how you will thrive. And if you don't go that direction, you're going to suffer for it. And it was so radical for them to hear. And and Jesus gives this analogy. He goes, you've heard a lot of my words now. What do you do with them? There's this pause, this moment, this in between. And Jesus says, you know, here's kind of an illustration for you. The person who hears my words and actually does them not just goes, wow, that was, you know, really great. And then like a person looking at themselves in the mirror, they walk away and they forget what they look like. Right? You've heard my words. If you do them, if you actually try to put them in place, you're going to be like a person who who built your house on a rock. And the person who hears my words and they choose to walk away and they choose to go, well, that was nice, you know, could have been a little bit shorter, felt a little bit long to me, you know, but it was nice. It's like you're building your life on sand. And when storms come, and they come, that's when you see the difference. See, what Jesus is talking about here is what does it look like to build your life? I'm just going to, today, very briefly, I'm just going to give you two truths and two questions. You know what the first truth is? when we look at this text, you are a builder. See, Jesus doesn't go, hey, for those of you who who maybe do this, let me tell you a message. Jesus actually says to everyone there listening, old, young, male, female, every single person, that you are building your life. You are a builder. You know, it's really interesting because the Bible has such a strong view of the sovereignty of God, that that God is the one who we believe is in control of all things. The Bible is very clear about that. But it also says that you have agency, right? You're you're not just kind of this robot that God has pressed buttons and you go and do your thing, right? There, There is some action that you are responsible for. There is some work that you need to do, that you're called to do. Hence why the Bible has all these sort of do this and don't do this. Because you actually have agency. Now, in some cultures, that's a shocking statement. Realistically, around the globe, there's some cultures where that's a very shocking statement. It's not so much in New York, okay? (laughs) Why? Because we're we're very highly independent. You know, we're trained kind of from a young age that, you know, you can kind of have your dream and all this sort of stuff, right? So in New York, there's a a little bit more stronger view of individualism that you can make the world happen. But I tell you, even here, you are a builder. You know what's so crazy? As we go through life, we we get into this this rhythm, this routine, and, and it's almost like we start to just view life like it's just happening to us, right? I'm going through the motions. You know what is wild? People spend way more time planning their finances for whenever they retire and they're not working anymore than they actually do where they want to be in life. You know, most people, they just kind of take whatever is coming their way, whatever a given week happens to bring you, you just respond to it, right? And it's, it's this, this idea that, you know, life just happens around me. And, but, but Jesus is clear. You are a builder, right? You are in some ways, building the life in which you live. You are a builder. And the second truth, you are actually building your life right now. 
the choices that you make, the, the actions that you do, it's not just this idea that you have agency, but you are actively creating the life in which you live. You're a builder. You're building your life. The life you are living today, you have a part in that. That's not really the question. See, those are two truths. They're not questions. They're truths. You are building your life this morning or this evening, whenever you're watching this. The question is this. What kind of life are you building? What kind of life are you building? See, Jesus talks about two builders, right? Because everyone's a builder. Everyone's building their life. And they're building your life is figured as, as homes, houses, right? You can think of an apartment complex if you want. <laughs> Just, you know, be culturally appropriate here in New York, right? You are building, but what kind of life are you building? What are you building your life on? And see, there's two options. There is the rock, something that's sturdy, something that's going to give uh, a longevity, a storm readiness to the building. And then there's sand. You've got two options. And now, I think most of us, even if you're not in the construction industry or you haven't really been a homeowner or something like that, I think most of us kind of get, you probably want to be on the rock, right? right? You, you want to be on the rock because your house is as strong as your foundation. Church, your life is as strong as your foundation. You are a builder, you are building your life today. You've been building it this year, and as you draw breath, you will continue to build your life. What are you building? What are you building on? You've got two choices, the rock or the sand. Now, you know what's so interesting about this text? Is that what you choose to build on is what makes you storm ready or not. It is not that you avoid the storm. There's so many people go, well, if, if God loves me, if I'm God's child, then I avoid storms, right? I mean, you, you don't actually say it that way, but, but that's what we think, right? We get upset, we get fearful, we get anxious when, when bad things happen to us, and sometimes it makes a cry come out of our hearts that says, but, but God, why? Don't you love me? You know what's so interesting in Jesus' phrase is this, storms come to everybody, the wise person who built on the rock, the foolish person who disregarded God's word and built on the sand. Storms actually come to both. The moral of the story is not follow Jesus and, and you won't have storms, right? You're just going to live this kind of Southern California weather, minus the fires, I guess, you know, where it's just always this beautiful, nice thing, right? No, storms come to both. That's not really even the question. The question is how storm ready are you? How storm-ready is your life? Because you're a builder, and you're building your life, but what is it built on? Jesus says this, this amazing truth to us, that the person who hears my words and actually tries to put them into practice is like a person who built their house on a rock, and when the storms came, not if, and when the storms came, and the rain came down, and the floods came up, anyone sing that children's song? And, and everything broke loose. 
the house stood. But, but see, the other house, the person who goes, I heard that, that's nice, but you know what? I've got my opinion, I've got my way, I've got my friends, and, and, and you know what? I, I, I trust my gut. People, you know what's so interesting? We, we oftentimes have the exact wrong intuition in life. We, we oftentimes have the exact wrong intuition in life. See, because of sin nature and just how we see the world, we have this assumption for how our life should be lived. And, and as a pastor, I hear it, uh, you know, all the time from people, right? Someone who's in, living in a, a clearly wrong situation, having an affair, and they say this, but, but Brian, how, how could God not approve of this? Because God wants me to be happy, Right? How could it be wrong when it feels so right? You know what I say? Because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Right? It feels right can often lead you in a very wrong place. But the people who listen to God's word, who read it, who listen, God, what are you saying to me? And who responds. They, they actually do it. It's like a person who builds their life on the rock. I am building my life right now. You are building your life right now. What kind of life are you building? What are you building it on? You know, God's words will bring life to you and to all those around you. But you have to actually put them into practice. You have to actually respond. And then when the storms come, when, when the job losses come, when the relationships fall apart, when you, you get that call from the doctor that you didn't want to get when you're staring at that account and it's in the red, when trials come, and church, they come, your life will stand the test. We've had a whole year of listening to God's word. We've had, at least for myself, many, many years of listening to God's word. What are you building your life on? You know what my prayer is for this coming year? For myself, that I will be someone who listens to the word of God and responds. Church, I pray for you that as we come together, we read the word of God, as we listen to what God is saying, that we will respond and build our lives upon something that's stable something that doesn't shake, and something that will last. You know, as the worship team comes up today, I just want to ask this question. In this time, this moment of waiting, right, where, where we're kind of thinking back to the past year, where we're kind of thinking forward to the year to come, what do you need to rebuild what in your life have you been building that's something, you know, if you were to be honest in this moment or if I were to be honest with myself in this moment to say, you know what, I've been building my life over here and it's been completely, utterly wrong. 
I've been building my life in this way. I've been, you know, putting up the scaffolding and all this. And by the way, you know, if you save money on the foundation, you can make the exterior look really nice, right? (laughs) You can look at two lives together and go, man, that looks awesome. And then as soon as everything breaks loose, you see how it crumbles apart. Church, may we be a people who read the word of God, We listen to what God is saying to us and we respond. What do you need to rebuild in your life today, this week, in this coming year? What are the words of God that you've been hearing and you've been walking past? What do you need to rebuild? Father, in this moment, I pray. I pray for myself. I pray for this church. God, would you give us wisdom to know in this moment what words we've been closing our ears to. God, may we be like wise builders who builds today, who build in 2021 upon you in your words. And Father, when the storms of life come, I pray, I pray that you would find this place and you would find these people with strong foundations. May it be true of us.